Hi, my name's Carmen Lave Jenkins and I'm the Managing Editor of the International Journal of Stroke. The following podcast is an interview recording with Dr Ian Kneebone from the University of Surrey UK and the University of Western Sydney School of Social Sciences and Psychology in New South Wales. He recently spoke at the Spart Strokes Conference on step psychological care after stroke. Hi, I'm Ian Kneebone, I'm Professor in Clinical Psychology at the University of Western Sydney and a clinical psychologist. I also have a readership with uh, the University of Surrey in Guildford in the UK. And so at the Smart Strokes conference that just passed, you spoke about stepped psychological care after stroke. Could you give us a little bit of a background on that? Okay, stepped psychological care out of, after stroke rose out of the improving access to psychological therapy approach adopted in the United Kingdom over the last five or so years. And it's really the application of that uh, knowledge to uh, stroke care, so really looking at what people need at different levels of psychopathology or indeed cognitive impairment after stroke. So it's really looking at how you improve the experience of people after stroke generally at, at level one. So that's kind of looking at uh, something along the lines of providing support groups, befriending services, uh, positive experiences in terms of control and planning when people are involved in services so that everybody's uh, getting a positive experience and therefore is likely to, uh, or less likely to get a, a psychopathological difficulty. At the second level, it'd be running things like motivational interviewing and problem solving to help people who, who may be coming into difficulty after stroke. And the third level, it's really looking at people who need one-to-one therapy with a psychologist or a uh, psychiatrist. From a neuropsychological point of view, it's somewhat different in the fact that people's level of cognitive impairment is less important than its impact on their function. So, for instance, at the lower level, someone might be quite severely impaired, but because of the level of their impairment, they may be supported by a carer or in, indeed a, a full-time institutional setting. So their needs for cognitive rehabilitation may be somewhat less than, say, somebody with higher executive problems who needs to uh, look at strategies in, to enable them to ter- return to work or return to driving. And that would flow similarly. So the three levels for cognitive impairment, the first one would be simply uh, screening people to see what their deficits are after their stroke to make sure that that uh, is taken into account their rehabilitation program. The second level would be looking at setting goals with respect to a cognitive function, generally not just with respect to function but in, in common with functional goals. And the third level would be that uh, clinical neuropsychological assessment and intervention to help people with uh, return to work and uh, driving and other sorts of functions such as perhaps uh, childcare responsibilities and so forth. And at what stage in post-stroke care would you expect to implement this sort of system? Well, I think it goes across the different uh, stages of post-stroke care, depending, for instance, in the psychopathology or the emotional adjustment issues. Uh, they can occur any time after stroke uh, at quite a the same, similar sort of prevalence. Uh, so you'd be adopting this wherever people are on their stroke pathway um, with regard to the mood. However, with cognitive impairment, obviously the return to work issues and those return to, uh, uh, to driving those sorts of things come fairly uh, further on after the stroke. And, um, you know, people are more, most impaired firstly after their stroke and they have a degree of recovery. So the, uh, the major testing and uh, examination of cognitive function probably comes later because people are more likely to have plateaued in their function and also have the best chance of being able to apply strategies to 
uh, support their rehabilitation and support their day-to-day function. And what's the evidence base for this activity? Well, I mean, the evidence base uh, varies across those different levels of um, stepped care. So, for instance, the uh, evidence base for emotional disorders is we don't have, uh, apart from one study by Thomas et al, uh, recently published that, um, for instance, behavioural activation is a treatment that's warranted for depression. But we're quite optimistic that as we improve these psychological theories, particularly augmenting or modifying cognitive behaviour therapy, we'll get we'll get there in terms of via randomised controlled trial improving the evidence of psychological therapy. So I guess it's not an absence of evidence. Uh, well, it's an absence of evidence, but not an absence of effect, if you like. Uh, with respect to cognitive function, we have some uh, evidence that there's uh, support for attentional training after stroke, for instance. And, and other other things to memory uh, impairment. However, the uh, the research rate specifically with stroke is, is fairly slim. And we do need to improve our efforts in that area, and we do, you know, borrow heavily from other areas of acquired brain injury to inform rehabilitation in terms of neuropsychological rehabilitation after stroke. And so, I would imagine this would be quite a multidisciplinary project. Would I be right in saying so? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think the the reason for the um, the step care approach was really people didn't have access to clinical psychologists or clinical neuropsychologists and there was a thought that they, not everyone needed to see somebody with that level of expertise um, but have access to them if they needed to so at those level or lower levels we'd be seeing our uh, therapy colleagues uh, taking a major role and you know even with things like behavioural activation speech language therapists occupational therapists could certainly be involved in that our speech and language therapists colleagues of course with patients most affected by uh, uh, speech and language difficulties after their stroke. You've just been listening to an interview with Dr Ian Kneebone from the University of Surrey UK and the University of Western Sydney School of Social Sciences and Psychology. This is a Smart Strokes International Journal of Stroke collaboration. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication of the World Stroke Organisation. Please consider becoming a member.